right. Um, well, thanks so much for um, risking to have me tonight. <laughs> um, a very difficult topic uh, at hand. And so, as a way of uh, let me introduce a few guys that I've come with. So, they have already integrated. So, I've come with um, guilty, three guilty as judges. They have worked with me. Um, the tall guy with an afro is called Ken. <laughs> and then, of course, there is um, Karogo at the middle, right there, Doyo. Yeah. And then there is Solomon, right there. And then, right. And I know a few Kenyans that are in this congregation that I know from somewhere. Um, let me just set my time. I'm, I'm preaching at 10. <laughs> Well, um, difficult conversation today. I wonder why you keep on inviting me to handle difficult things. <laughs> And so may the Lord give me grace. John 16, if you don't mind, let's turn our attention there and we'll just jump into it. John chapter 16. Um, I would have loved to do something more thematic, but then because there are several things that uh, the fellowship leaders asked me that they would desire us to handle, so I'll be here and there, but the thought is really one. If you're writing, uh, I don't know, did you get my to get a slide? Anyway, I mean, I sent a slide, but in the comments, they can start. The topic, if you're writing notes, suffering. And the question that we seek to answer is, is it necessary? Is it necessary? This thing called suffering, is it necessary? Listen to Jesus Christ's words. Um, if you pick it up from John 16, uh, right, okay, from uh, verse maybe 5, the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is talking to the disciples, the conversation goes on, and then he talks to them about the whole point that their sorrow will be turned into joy from verse 16. And listen to Christ's words um, in these verses right here. He says, um, verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Then he continues to explain the way a woman in labor and all those things. And then he says there in verse 22, So also your hearts will rejoice. Sorry. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. On the one hand, he's telling them, you will go through pain. The world must laugh at you. But then he's also encouraging them and telling them, but... You, your, your sorrow will be turned into joy. And in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And then he says, until now, you've not done this before. Ask using my name and you'll receive that your joy may be full. And then it comes now to the conversations where he's really talking to them about the fact that he has overcome the world. And he tells them, and let me just read that all the way to verse 3 from verse 25. He said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The eye is coming and I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day he'll ask in my name, and I did not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples say, ah. Now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome that's not my voice the world <laughs> right um, and I think the question that I really want to throw at you as we begin the conversation today is 
what is what is the worst form of suffering that you're going through right now or you have experienced between now and you know probably the first, the first 12 months or two years or probably your whole life 20 whatever years that you are what is the worst form of suffering that you've had to endure and suffering would come in different ways maybe it is the family separation i come from a separated home that was pain that was pain when that happened and maybe for you that is the case or domestic violence you come from a background where where i mean it's warfare it's like call of duty every day <laughs> you know and, and you're wondering what or social hardships or no you know there are things that we go through or poverty or disease you've seen people suffer or death itself what is it for you what is your plate of suffering today what is it that you're going through now and you wish that god never took you through it have you found meaning in it has your heart settled on the fact that God has designed and orchestrated that for you and that you should not wish that on somebody else? Therefore, having perspective to look at it, you no longer look at God and say, why me? But you say, thank you for me. Thank you that I am going through this because, Lord, I would not want my friend to go through that. You see, every time we ask the question to God, why me? We are basically saying, you're so worthy, somebody else needs to go through whatever you're going through. But that is the life. And that is at the heart of the deception of prosperity preaching. That is at the heart of deception, and we are going to raise some of this is because whatever suffering you're going through, God has allowed you to go through it. And like many, we ask ourselves probably, is it necessary? Is it necessary for me to go through this thing? Is it necessary that my parents went through that? Is it necessary that, that these things happen to me? There are many wannabe prophets of, of restoration outside here who will tell you what the canker worms have eaten, the Lord will restore. <laughs> And we are drowning in our ship of drought in the country right now. We are wondering, prophet, why aren't you prophesying? Why aren't you saying this thing? There are many who want to be, you know, goodwill preachers and soft life pastors who want to show you that if you're with God, you will not go through some things because with God it is soft life. And we sing, right? <laughs> they propagate a health, wealth, trouble free Christian life. But is that what the Bible teaches? Conclusive. See, it's one thing for you to take a verse and throw it out of context. In this congregation, if I may just throw this at you, how many of us have carefully read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation? We are stuck on John 3.16, John 11.5. We are stuck on Romans 12.1 and 2, Jeremiah 29.11. We are stuck on Genesis 1.1. One, one. <laughs> so when Mr. Pastor comes and says, the Lord is telling me that your trouble will be over, you foolishly believe. Because in your heart, as far as the things of Scripture, you're still a toddler. And we foolishly receive these things and then you start making us, oh, church, you sick. God has let me down. It is never God. It was never God. It was your pastor. <laughs> <laughs> it was you not reading your Bible. We say about promises, every promise of God is yes and in it, amen. Even this one, in the world you will have tribulation. We need to be down with a yes and amen on that one. But do we? No, we don't. We don't, and that is why it's a very tricky thing. Listen to this verse that I'm going to read. The Bible says, Acts 14, verse 22, that these guys went around strengthening the souls of the disciples, the apostles, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, listen, saying what? That through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God through many tribulations. And that's why we're seeing through many fierce dangers, you know, in that hymn, we have already come in amazing grace through many trials. We must enter the kingdom of heaven. First Thessalonians 3 verse 4, the Bible says, For when we were with you, Paul says, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. We will suffer many things. Second Timothy 3 12, the Bible says, Indeed, all, not some, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, not might be, not maybe somehow, will be persecuted. Tough times must find us. If we believe in the Jesus of the Bible, the wild Jesus himself says, we laugh as we sorrow. Jesus says it. The wild, if we follow him, the wild will laugh at us as we sorrow for him. 
suffering is not an imaginary path for a chosen few. Suffering and pain, these are things that are God-ordained. It is something that all men, saint or sinner, must go through. It is suffering. It is suffering. It might be, it might be a, a bad cold, it might be the disease, or it doesn't matter how much money you have. Every human being will go through suffering. The difference is that those who suffer in Christ, those who want to suffer in Christ, can be a good cheer because Christ has overcome the world. But if you suffer away from Christ, if you suffer minus a relationship with Jesus Christ, your suffering is baseless. Your suffering is only pain, 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 and after it is done, more pain. When your soul is destroyed in eternal hell's flames. Why is it necessary? Charles Spurgeon says this, that Christian, Jesus does not suffer so as to exclude your suffering. He bears a cross not that you may escape it, but that you may endure it. Christ exempts you from sin, but not from sorrow. Remember that and expect to suffer. And to that I say, Amen. Because it is true. When I got my firstborn son, my wife went into clinical depression. And so that means she went into a mental asylum for a month. So I had to stay with the baby who was a few days old. And for another 11 months, we had to continue on seeing a psychiatrist and all those things. And it was tough. It was, it was tough. I got born again at the age of 12. I've been serving God in the ministry since I was 19. It, it was hard. But it was there. It was happening to me. I had to deal with it. And God was still good. Suffering will come, must come. Any preacher man who comes and tells you that you know if you are born again, you need to bind the spirit of suffering, they are lying. <laughs> they are lying to you because you end up binding the Lord himself. <laughs> Tough times will come. Tough times, man. God, in His providence, will give us waves of mercy and waves of grace where things will be nice and sweet and easy. But suffering will come still. So, the question number one that I want us to respond to is so, what is the cause of suffering? What is the cause of suffering? Now, I'll read it on three points the cause of suffering, the call to suffer, and the purpose of suffering. And so, the cause of suffering, the Bible says in Genesis 3 17 19, you probably know this story so well. And Adam, and, and to Adam, God said, as he was meeting out judgment, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. <laughs> And have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cast is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plant of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Tell me what kind of guts a preacher must have to tell you that if you are born again, you will not suffer. Yet the Lord himself says, on account of sin, you will go through that thing. It is going to come. Unless that preacher is the fourth person of the Trinity, we don't need to listen to him. <laughs> we cannot pay attention to him. Because you, we need to change the whole scripture. We need to go to the whole canon and rewrite the whole thing for us to dismiss the reality of suffering as believers. And God is saying that part of the punishment that he meted out against Adam and Eve when they sinned, it is you will suffer. Adam, as, as a man, you will go through pain. You will go through suffering and the sweat of your brow. You must eat by that. And, and God is not joking because the Bible does not say jokingly. Suffering is introduced to us after the fall of man. So we, we were not made and meant to know suffering. Just as we were not made and meant to know death. But those are things that came because of sin. Ideally, we were meant to just be born and live and live and live. And after we live, we live much more. But then sin came and God said, you will die. That is a punishment. And so suffering comes on account of sin. At the most basic level, suffering is there because of sin. At the most basic, because of the fall, the rebellion of man, when they sinned against God. But also we need to understand that when man is taken out of the presence of God, we see that many other things happen. There is murder, there is deceit, there is filthiness, there is immorality, there is war, there is betrayal. There are many things, thuggery and many other vices take center stage once they are kicked out of the garden. And all these things are mentioned, they are all causes for suffering. We suffer, it is bad to be raped. 
It is bad to be to, 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 to be misused sexually. It is not funny. There's nothing interesting about it. It is crazy when your mother has to be beaten by your dad, or your, your dad is playing playing games on your mom with another woman. Those things are gross. They bring pain in the hearts of people. It is bad when ladies are bored. Children would have known the Lord and live life are killed in, in crazy, crazy ways in hospitals. Those things were not meant to happen, but they happen because of the sin that is the heart of man. Suffering comes because of sin. We have fallen at heart. We have no desire and longing for God. You have to go through three or four weeks of exam because of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Because of sin, because of sin, we know lying, we know how to use more Kenyan, we know how to lie to our parents, we are graduating and we are not. We know how to do these things. Suffering comes ultimately because of the sin. And so not all suffering is on account of personal sin. Ultimately, all suffering is on account of the original sin. Sometimes we will go through, I didn't do anything for my parents to separate, that was great, but it happened, right? We, we, we don't do some wrong things. I, I, I didn't do anything wrong in school, so that when I go outside, a guy comes and beats me up and takes my phone, my pass, my money, and all those things. So it's, we cannot just say that all suffering is because you have probably seen that is why you are suffering. And the disciples came and, and saw somebody that was going through pain, and they asked Jesus Christ, who sinned? Him or the parents? He has said, no, 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 this one is not because of sin. This one is happening so that God may be glorified. And sometimes we will go through issues so that God may be glorified, and we will see that. Humanity would never have known suffering if it were not for sin. So think of it in these two ways. Number one, on account of sin as the cause of suffering, personal sin brings suffering. For those of us who are here and you claim to be born again have a relationship with Jesus Christ, personal sin brings suffering. Why do I say that? Because every sin causes somebody to suffer. Every sin that we do, even the one that you think nobody is being, nobody is involved in it. I just did it. See, I'm the one smoking. What's your problem? I'm the one taking this thing. So somebody is hurt. Personal sin will bring personal suffering as well. It may be the sinner who suffers, or it may be somebody else who suffers directly or indirectly. When, 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 when our parents do crazy business deals there and they're caught by the police, we are not involved, but we suffer, right? We go through the pain of it because that's what it is. When we sin, it affects people, and you cannot live life aloof thinking that, you know what, I am just doing my thing, and nobody can tell me nothing because it is not just you. Many people are involved in your life. Somebody is going to suffer for every sin that you and I commit. Notice, for every one of them, for every one of them, somebody will suffer because sin always leads to a place of suffering. The Bible says in Romans 2.9 that there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew fast and also the Greek. For every human being who does evil, there will be what? There will be distress. There will be tribulation. There are going to be tough times. But secondly, not only does personal sin bring suffering, also corporate sin brings suffering. When we together agree to sin, when a society gets into the habit of sinning, when our people decide to walk against the things of God, because you see, sin is not just bad manners. Sin is rebellion against God. Anything that does not honor and glorify God is sin. Anything that is not of God is sin. It doesn't matter how nice it feels. It doesn't matter how many nice feelings it might bring to you. As long as it is not connected with God, cannot be uploaded by scripture, it is sin. And we're saying that when we do that corporately, as a fellowship in Jacob, if there are things that we propagate and we do together, it will bring us trouble. There will be suffering. We must fight all these things that are being brought to us from the West, and not just from the West, from the devil himself. There are crazy things in Luoland of, gee, if you die, then you, your brother must inherit your wife. <laughs> and things that we must fight in Luoland. I am Luoland, so I know these things. There are things that we must fight. We must fight against them because when a society does crazy things, we need to stop and ask, why are we going through these things? Because when we sin corporately, we must suffer. The most effective way for you to prevent suffering on account of sin is for you to stop sinning. I think as you talk about suffering, some of you probably think so. Well, sin has everything to do with suffering. If you're living a wicked life right now, 
if you are hiding yourself in dingy, noting moral living, you gotta stop. You need to stop because people are gonna get hurt. You are going to break people's lives. You're going to plunge some people in the next three, four, five, ten, God knows how many years into suffering, into pain, into tribulations, into sorrows they never knew because of you. If you are living a wayward life, lady or gentleman, please stop. Because sin will bring suffering. And especially when you're doing things corporately, when we together agree, ask Ananas and Sapphira, they sinned corporately. And they died. They died. And we are not told if they are children. But how do you explain to them? Why did mom die? Because they lied about money. I mean, why? Why would his mom just tell that to tell the truth? Because they actually agreed all of them to lie. It's bad. The children were messed up if they were there. Corporate sin is a problem. And God is not amused by it. The only way for us to prevent suffering on account of some sin is for us to stop sinning. We will not stop suffering ultimately, but to a great extent, in our space, we will stop it. Why should a mother who is 50 years old worry about a four-year-old because the daughter could not just stop having sex in campus? Why? Why should a grandmother or a grandfather be bothered about some child's Full fees. They cannot enjoy their old age because their child has chosen a reckless path. They are in rehab. They need to be stressed about getting money for rehab. If we are going and doing some of these things, I tell you where you are. Please stop. Because generations later will suffer. They will suffer. Think about the pains you have gone through because of the issues that you are going through in your family especially the issues you've gone through over the years courtesy of parents or uncles or brothers or sisters think about the the pain that you go through if you know somebody was stabbed to death by thugs and thieves and goons think about the stories we see of rape and other sexual abuses think about Think about it. Think about all the killings that are going on. How it affects the ones involved. Suffering comes to us on account of sin in many ways. Where it matters most, we must conclude that suffering is there because Adam and Eve sin, original sin, prevailing. But secondly, suffering in our lives also comes because of our deliberate personal indulgence in sin. For us to come and say that we bind the spirit of suffering is claiming that we have power to undo all the creation back to reset. There is no human being who can press a reset button to bring us back to Eden. The only way we are going there is when Jesus Christ comes back. For a person to stand and lie to you, that there is no way you're going to go through suffering. They are claiming to be God. They are heretics. They are lying. Because even the master himself said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Not maybe, not might, you will have tribulation. And so let that transition ask them to answer the next question then. So is it, is it for a believer? What is the call to suffer for a believer? Where the Bible says in Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also what? The problem with reading the Bible in a picky, picky, punky <laughs> kind of way is because you only end up reading the verses you want. You only end up going to the Psalms for encouragement and, and you never have time to plunge your mind in the realities of Galatians and Romans and, and the Beatitudes of Christ in Matthew chapter 5. Those who believe enjoy the privilege of suffering. It is a privilege. Pastor Marco, what do you mean? What do you mean? But that, that's what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying there. It has been granted to you. It has been granted to you to board a plane 
to wherever you've always dreamed to go and it is for free. That is a privilege, right? That's a privilege. Like who's done that? Don't, 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 don't mind about that. Just get into that plane and you go there. That's a privilege. And the same way for us here, it has been granted to us. It is, it is of heaven, it is of God, it has been granted to us for the sake of Christ. Not for other things, not because of... No, 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 no. For the sake of Christ, you should not only believe, but also suffer for his sake. Will believers face suffering in this life? It's a big blanket, yes. Believers must face suffering. Jesus said, we would. And that was not a request, it was not a maybe, it's a Jesus said, we would face suffering. Any believer who claims exemption from suffering, therefore, is not reading from the canon of scripture. They're definitely reading a Bible, but not the one that has been written by the Lord. Any believer who claims exemption from suffering, no, no, no. Or those guys are genuinely deceived. How? How can you stand and say, if you're a believer, you cannot suffer? And we have many of them in the cancer world right now as we speak. What do you mean, Mr. Pastor? When you say if you're born again, you will not suffer. And we have many of them in the streets not even having, they can't even live with, they don't have a dollar to live for the day. They don't have 150 bob. But they love Jesus Christ, they are born again. How can you say, Mr. Pastor, just because you drive a car, just because you live in a flambeau estate, does not mean that that is the description of the Christian life. And you will notice it. These fellows who continue preaching that suffering that the believer cannot suffer, they cannot go in the dilapidated areas where people are suffering to preach that gospel. The gospel must be stuck, must preach it to the rich, to the middle class, and to the poor without editing. I must, I must be able to preach this message that I'm preaching in Rwanda, I must be able to preach it in Mukuru agenda, I must be able to preach it anywhere else. I must be able to preach it without editing. But those messages, they are not constant because they are lies. We have been called to go through suffering. We must lay biblical grounds on the reality of what suffering is all about. Because our calling into sonship also invites us to a place of suffering and pain for the sake of Christ. We will go through tough times. We will go through difficult times. At maybe around 30 hours when my son is born, he goes into, he gets an, an infection. And the doctors tell me, well, you might not make it. At that point in time, my wife is not even awake in theater. I'm asking, what about my wife? They're telling me, it's bad, it looks bad, it looks bad, uh, we, we, we pray. I'm like, what madness is this, Lord? What? What are we doing? What are we doing? I cross the road, I go into a church, I get into I, the church that was nearby, because they just give me a key to a prayer room. And I go there, and I break down like I've never done before. Almost one and a half hours. At the end of that, I lift my head up and I tell the Lord, it's fine. <laughs> I've dealt with it. If my wife goes, she goes. If my son goes, he goes. Just help me to preach on Sunday. That's all I wanted to do. That is all that, that that's the only prayer I did around the Carol Baptist Church somewhere there. Just help me to preach the next time. Because these realities were there. They would have gone. They're here today. Praise the Lord. But they would have gone. I, I mean, I've been serving the Lord for all those years. I'm thinking, how do I decode this? Because that is just part of life. We live in a broken world. And as believers, we are called to suffer. Your salvation benefits you, yes. And one of the benefits we get is going through some pain so that God might be glorified in our lives. Why is it our portion? Why is it the portion of some of us in this life to suffer? Well, number one, because saints of old suffered. If you look at the Old Testament people, there are stories there. When you read the scriptures, we cannot run away from the fact that many men and women suffered. Back in the day, back in the day, and they trusted the Lord. Deep rock, solid trust. People like Abraham, people that trusted the Lord, they went through victories and life successes in overwhelming ways. They had some wealth, they had all those things, it is true. But they went through the thickness of suffering. Abraham suffered. Do you think it is funny for you to be old and not have a child? It is not a good thing. It was pain upon pain upon pain. Every trial, every trial, every trial, failing. It was crazy. But they were there. They went through these difficult times. And for some of us in our generation, where we are so used to quick things, quick things, and we are so used to fake TV preachers, and they come to us because they have an American accent and a tight jeans, and they have a wing in their tongue, you think everything they say passes, you cannot handle such truth. It is not hard for you to handle it, it is impossible for you to deal with it. Because you don't read the Bible, because you don't listen to Christ in Scripture. 
And so they tell you, no, this bad because they're living there and they have the dollars and the government can pay for them some things. And you here in our tiny little Kenya, you're following them like a headless chicken. No, no, you know, you're going. Like, what on earth are you doing? Can you get down in scripture and hear what the Lord is saying in the world? Suffering will come. Think of Job, the wealthiest man of his day. He had everything that you're thinking about and more than what you never thought. Yet the Bible tells us that God himself allowed the devil to go at him. Have you noticed my servant Job? The devil said, no, you know, he, he worships you because you've given him many things. You've, you've shielded him. Just, just, just touch. Touch, touch is well. And you will see. And God says, go. Don't touch his life. And the devil goes and just unleashes like venom, like suffering venom on you, and everything goes. And after some days, the Bible says, and as the angels are presenting themselves in heaven, as they are passing, guess who's there? The devil. And God is like, yo, bro, where are you coming from? From <laughs> <laughs> up and down, rolling, rolling, rolling. And second time, God saying, have you noticed my servant? Why would God tell the devil about a believer who is walking righteously? And then you say, oh, we bind the devil. Then who will we bind there? <laughs> no, think with me. Don't come to these fellowships and leave your head outside and come with feelings. Feelings <laughs> 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 think. <laughs> if it was our prosperity day, who would we bind there? To never from your job, we bind all, oh, we bind them. The friends came and kept quiet for seven days. They were baffled. They didn't even know where to start. Because it was bad. All your children dead, you're smitten crazy with sickness, and you're sitting there and you're still holding on to God. And their friend, his friends are thinking, hey, the wife, the wife, the wife told Job, cast God and die. Because she could not bear to see the pain of the husband. It was too difficult for her. And the only way she thought my husband can get out of this is just die. And so let me give you a quick fix, darling. Discuss God. <laughs> right? Listen to the response of Job. With many of us, I pray that God will give it to our hearts. He said, Job to Jen. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women who speak. <laughs> shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin against his God. Shall we receive good from God and not? You don't pray that in your prayer meeting in the morning, do you? It is, Lord, just bring me trials today. <laughs> I want to know you in that way. We bind, 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 we bind. And the thing that we need to ask ourselves, how foolish are our hearts? If I bind this now and I bind it tomorrow, what does that say about what I did yesterday? Think. If I bound it yesterday and I'm binding it today, there's a problem with the binding. Right? There's a problem. You either lie yourself just to speak so that you can speak or you are not doing anything. Because if we are dealing with a problem and say it, we bind. Because you see, you come to me bind. Jana, tunakam kubind, leo, alafu tunakotikibind, the past three years, we need to ask ourselves, people, what are we doing? Shall we expect good from God alone? And I want to throw that at you. Whatever it is that you're doing, shall we expect good alone from God and not evil? Many of us cannot handle that truth. We see people like Joseph, Mordecai, Esther, we went through tough times. Think about Naomi, Ruth. Think about these people, the prophets, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. People went through difficult times. They went through suffering in their own ways. King David and many more. They went through suffering. They loved God to their beats, but they went through suffering. The saints of old suffered. So we will suffer. That's our fault. We can't confirm that in the Old Testament. But secondly, Christ our captain suffered. That's the other truth. Christ our captain suffered. Isaiah 53 verse 4. You surely know the Bible. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. First Peter 2, verse 21, the Bible says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his what? Footsteps. Because Christ suffered. You need to follow in his footsteps. 
We cannot long for the glories of Christ if we do not share in his suffering. Whether we enjoy life or go through suffering as saints, it's a privilege that God has allowed us to go through this stage in this life to glorify his name because he went through it. Christ himself suffered. But thirdly, the earthly church disciples and apostles, they suffered. Not only did the, old, the men of old suffer, not only did Christ our captain suffer, but everyone who followed him suffered. Go and look for a book called The Jesus Priest and read the stories there. People who have suffered for the Lord. People are dying right, left, center. It's common knowledge. The disciples, the apostles, they went through death. They went through suffering, hardship. Peter and crew all went through difficult times and they found it honorable to suffer for the Lord. At the beginning of the ministry, the Bible says in, 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 in Acts 5.41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of God. They were counted worthy. How is that worthy? They were beaten naked. They were stripped and beaten. And saying, hey man, that was the Peter was going to And they leave the presence there and they're going and they're, th- and they're thinking, yeah, but that was not awesome for the Lord, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sad. The, the Bible is saying that they left the presence, they were rejoicing. They're not binding the council, they're not binding the Pharisees, they're not saying, oh, no, they were saying, praise God that He has allowed us to go through that for the sake of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12, 14, what does the Bible say? Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Because if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. What? Peter, are you, are you, are you, I mean, what are you saying here? If you are insulted for his name, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. All the apostles suffered. They did. Where are we getting this gospel today that we are telling young people and many churches that suffering is a spirit? How did we get to these conclusions? I don't know what your pastor preaches to you, but there are telltale signs of watch out or walk out. It is here in scripture. If we are able to delete and wrap these scriptures from existence, then we will believe these narratives. But they are false. He says it there. They went through it. All of them. Stephen was doomed. Stephen was doomed to death. You remember that? You guys remember that in your Bible reading? <laughs> he was stoned. Okay, do you even know there was a guy called Stephen? <laughs> he was stoned, wasn't he? Yeah. Did he curse? Did he bind? Paul says he lifted up his eyes and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of glory. And then he prays like Jesus prayed, Forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they do not know. But it's fine, let them stone me. It's okay. John was cast away in the island of Patmos. Did you hear him cursing anywhere? Did you hear him saying, Oh, I speak some things to you that you've never had before? No. <laughs> he continues to love the Lord. And he counts it as joy. Scripture says in Hebrews 11, 36, 38, this is a long one, let me read this. It says, Others suffered after he had said about those ones who are fair. I think this is the problem of, 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 our, of, of our preaching today. We want to talk about Moses who received, who saw the end of his faith, and, and Akina Caleb, and all these people. And that is the first part of Hebrews 11. And it's amazing. Because the truth is this. That much as God has called us to suffer, God will cause us to know victories on end. That one is true. Not all of us will be in poverty. That one is true. As it is true that not all of us will be rich. <laughs> That is true. And so some of us will go through some form of suffering and pain. Some of us will. 
But listen to what the Bible says. The first part of Hebrews is they trusted God and they received from God what they hoped and expected from God. But others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sewn into two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. They did that. That is still part of trusting God. Part of the faithfulness of God is allowing us to go through pain and suffering. Part of God's faithfulness. He is faithful. All my life has been faithful. Yes, even when I'm facing death, Lord. He's still faithful. We need to be able to say that. We need to be able to see it for what it is. Because sooner than later, we will go through suffering. God remains faithful in pain and in joy. And that is the promise that we see in Hebrews 11, if you read it there, that though they trusted in the Lord, they did not see the end of their faith. They didn't see it. People, there's a lot more we can say. Throughout church history, it confirms the church grew exponentially through persecution. You're going for a mission in Trukana. It might get a bit hard and tough right now. Just know it. It might get a bit tricky for you. The church has always grown, not in wealth, but in suffering. Always. From the days of Nero and the Diocletian rule and the Roman Empire and people being thrown brutally in the Colosseums, eaten by lions and tigers, and people being burned on the stake, that's how the church has grown. The blood of the martyrs is the foundation of the church. Christ has ordained that suffering must happen. Let it be known that whatever God-glorifying reason, it is in afflictions and pains and suffering that the church must grow. The church must thrive in hardships and calamities. And if you're not comfortable with that, leave the Lord alone. Because that is what he's ordained. That is what he has designed. Paul says that they went through Great endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment. Easy verses. What to mind? Juzico. Labors, sleepless nights, hunger, suffering for the Lord. Why? The next like five minutes. Why did this happen? What is the purpose of suffering? Because you're saying the the, 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 the genesis of it is sin, yes. But we are called to suffer. The calling to suffering for the believer. We cannot run away from it. Every one of us who is born again will go through difficult times. You know it. You know you don't have everything you desire to have right now, you're sitting right there, right? You don't. You have a cousin and uncle somewhere who is going through difficult times, right? And they probably love the Lord. Go and pray them out of that thing because you can't. You can't. And so we cannot carry that as a sober theology. That is not right doctrine. And where doctrine fails, then the believer must be hopeless. But the big question to answer is, what is the purpose? Why? Why, Mago? Why? Why? What is the purpose of suffering? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For this life's momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It cannot compare with Arsenal winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> can all the pains you're going through is it has a glory that is beyond you on your wedding day and what's your other exciting thing it is probably it's glorious it's much more profound than than you the first time in a plane going to germany whatever it is it is whatever big thing you've been longing for the bible says that that the, this light momentary affliction, the work that God is preparing through them, is beyond anything you've ever enjoyed. It's beyond anything you've ever designed. It says it's preparing for us an eternal, not temporary, an eternal weight of glory. Is there a real purpose in suffering? Yes. Will God do something about the suffering? He will. He must because he is gorgeous. He has always done something about the suffering of his sins. And so we are not the generation that is going to pull out and then say, oh no, you guys, I don't want to know. Paul, by the Spirit of God, tells us that those tough moments, those times of pain, when, when we can't decode and explain what is happening, God uses those afflictions to glorify, one, us in himself and promises a new body 
but ultimately to glorify himself so that people will see he is big when he takes us through them. Because of that, Paul, in the verses before, he would say, therefore we do not lose heart. Whatever it is that you might be going through, whatever plate of suffering you are going through, the thing is, do not lose heart, do not give up. Why? Why do I give up? Because God is working an amazing part of it. You know, I've never seen my parents together again since that day my mom left that house. I have no clue why God allowed that to happen, but I must believe that it is working something good. I'm here today. Sometimes you may not have that many parents. You may not have the joy of being taken out for dates by guys because they think you're too Christian. <laughs> So let me wrap this up. I mean, I have one minute. It's now 8.40, so I need to wrap it up. Give me maybe like the four next four minutes and then I'll I'll just land the plane. It is working something for us. That is what it is. Do not dismiss the pain. You might have done something stupid and you have a child waiting somewhere for you at home so that you come from school and go home. If that was stupid, that was dumb, yes, but God is there. He writes all these wrongs. He's able to sort it out. Do not give up whatever plate of suffering you're going through. Because God is using it for a testimony. He must work in you so that people can say how big it is to believe in God. So that they can see and say, awesome God, mighty God. They must, see, they must look at you and say, that, that must be an awesome God working that must be an awesome good work. That's the testimony. Paul says, death works in us, but life in you. Since you have the same spirit of, 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 of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, so I spoke. It is working something in us. When believers handle suffering joyfully, it speaks. So don't complain. Secondly, it works for your sanctification. Some of you are so proud, God must break you at home. Oh, he must allow you to go through trouble for you to tone down. It works for our sanctification. Count it all joy, he says. Count it all joy, James says. So we suffer as a means of sanctification to become more and more like Christ. Some of us are big gossips. God must humble us down. That's the other thing that it works. Not just for sanctification, but for our humility. Think about it. Some of you are so eloquent. God must put a thorn in your flesh to maintain you. Because <laughs> he knows if he allows you, you will go berserk. <laughs> and he says, You, I need to slow you down. I need to slow you down. I need to humble you. That's what he did to Paul. When he had gone to the third heaven, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 7. Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan from God. Wow. You love me, Lord. But I want to give you time. <laughs> Isn't that what he did to Job as well? You have not even cast a demon. You are not better than Paul, right? <laughs> Humility. But I think over and above all the things so that I can be faithful to my three minutes. One of the things that I believe we need to look at suffering objectively and biblically is because God uses that so that we can comfort others. God must allow us to go through some things so that we may be able to tell somebody, it is going to be well. It is going to be well. He must do that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That is what he does. He comes and walks you through. The Bible doesn't say he will walk you over the valley. No. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your road and your staff, they do what? They comfort me. 
So that when somebody is passing through that route and they meet me and they are broken down, they're crying, I tell them, I've been there or I'm actually there, but I'm not broken, I'm not crushed. Let's keep walking. People, we can say so much, but agreeably, all suffering comes because we're in a fallen world. It's broken, it's full of sin. But as believers, this is something that we cannot turn away from. God will bring suffering your way for your humility, for his testimony, for his glory, for your sanctification. He will bring it. He will allow you to go through that. So that at the end of the day, we all can look back and say, isn't God faithful? Isn't God faithful? And so although the world is full of suffering, my prayer for you is that you'll understand the same, same world where sins are, it is full of victory. You see, if God does not take you through a season in this life, what testimony has he left behind for himself? Nothing. God must redeem his own. God must allow his own to go through pain and speak to others as he ministers to them in their pain. But the worst form of suffering is suffering in sin. Not having Christ as the Lord of your heart is the worst form of suffering you will ever go through. And so if you're here tonight and you do not have a functional relationship with Jesus Christ, you might be smart, you might be acing it, your family might be rich, you might be having all the things that the world will offer. But I'll ask you in the words of Christ, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world? Forfeit his soul. Are you born again? Do you have a functional relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not asking, are you a member of the sea? I'm asking, do you have a functional relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are you suffering in the weight of habits and addictions and the chains of sin? Christ is here today. You return to him, he will save your soul. So I tell you, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And so I say to you, come. Come to the Lord. He is able to give you rest. If you do not have a functional relationship with Jesus Christ, that is the worst form of suffering anyone will ever go through. You need Jesus Christ. You don't want him, you need him. Come, come, come to the Lord and give you rest. Praise the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you that you give us an opportunity to know you. There's a lot more, Lord, we can say on these matters, yet I pray that in my heart as well you remind me that I won't be caught up, Lord, in the bliss and the blinks and the flashy life that this world might give because the devil is giving that to many people. Lord, we just want you. We want to know you, Lord, and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. We want to be joined together with you in your death. So then, Lord, we are able to share in the resurrection. So God, I pray for these lovely young people in this home. Oh, that Father, you would cause their hearts to be sober in their theology. To understand and appreciate that when tough times come, it is not a time to cast God and die. It's a time to live like Job and say, if the Lord can give me good, then it is fine if he brings me bad. Because whether good or bad, the greater joy is that you are there with us. So help us, Lord Jesus, to tell these truths. If there's anyone in our midst here today who is not going to God, I pray. Our Lord, that you send your spirit of conviction and you cause him to or heart to see the light and turn to you that they might know your release. Give us an amazing evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.